the glass and in. Not killing his beating too. It's the third win against the top ten. And the orange had him all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! It's the orange doing it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. We have just one guest lined up for you today. Our good friend Eric Devendorf will join us in about a half hour from now. We'll talk NBA playoffs. We'll talk NBA Draft Combine with Eric, and uh, we'll also uh, get into some other things like Bayheim's Army, maybe even the three-on-three uh, tournament that's coming up June 9th that he's a part of, although I'm not bad. sure he wants to be a part of it. Him. No, I feel bad. He's got to play with us slackers from around the office. I, I'm not on the team. I'm not playing in the tournament, but uh, I feel bad. As I said before, I wish I would have known. I, I would have come out of retirement to play with Devo. Would you have? I would have. Will you tell him this? I will. Maybe I'll play next have year. Have you played with him before? Does he know? No, okay. I haven't. Um, I would love to. So maybe next year. Maybe we can get him to commit on the spot to next year, and then I'll start training so that a year from now um, <laughs> you I need can You need a year of training to I don't get need ready? a year, but, I, you know. All right. Something for me to... Look forward to something to motivate me. Uh, I want to be on. I want to be on his team next time I I play. By yeah. the way, yeah, everybody looks better if you know. It's yes. like playing with LeBron, right? Exactly. The Cavs look better when they have LeBron. Yeah, and and I don't have to worry about fake attempting to defend him. Yeah, he's uh, he's ESPN Radio's version of LeBron. Anyway, he's a, a lot ringer. to get to with Eric Devendorf coming up in a half hour from now. Big day for Tyus Battle, uh, Seth. It's the NBA Draft Combine. Today's the first. On court, uh, you know, day of the combine yesterday, it was measurements, it was medical testing. They had their first round of interviews with the teams. More interviews this morning. the The on court stuff begins uh, in little less than two hours from now. There's the shooting drills, five on five scrimmages, so on and so forth. Uh, so this is a big day for Tyus Battle. He measured well. His body fat. When I saw this, I was like, "How is that even possible?" He has four percent body fat. One of the best uh, at the comp. That is, that's insane. Um, shows you how good a shape though that he's in, and and obviously he's taking this seriously and he means business. Um, you know they did the wingspan. He's got what a six nine wingspan. Measurables are out there. He he did just fine in in that regard. The big thing everyone wants to see. He can measure as well as he wants. Okay, his his body fat could be four percent. You know he can have a, a great wingspan and. Whatever. It comes down to, can he shoot consistently enough from the outside to impress the scouts? And can he defend You know the pick and roll? Can he defend in a man-to-man situation? And that's always the knock against SU guys coming out is that, well, they play that zone defense right. at Syracuse. Can they defend man-to-man? So those are the two things that everybody's going to be looking for You know, today and throughout the rest of the week with Tyus. Can he defend man-to-man? And can he consistently hit the outside shot? Yeah, uh, allow me to ask a potentially dumb question here. What's any of this mean? Like, what's any of this mean? The measurables? Yeah, uh, well, the measurables and and even some of the shooting drills. Uh, Okay, congratulations. You can can go around the arc and hit 80% of your threes when there's nobody on the court. Like congratulations, and and I know that you're looking for other things when he's shooting, and and you're looking if if maybe the hitch in his shot has smoothed out or, or things like that. But 
Like, what what does some of this mean? And, and I know that I make fun of it all the time with with the NFL Combine, and and you do too as a Bills fan who drafted a quarterback because he's got big hands. Uh, you know, or or wow, Saquon Barkley or or Vernon Golson. That's a better example. Vernon Golson shot up draft charts because he looked great at the Combine. Okay, like what's it mean, right? What what does any of this stuff actually mean to playing basketball? Just because you've got a big wingspan doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good basketball player. Just because you got big hands doesn't mean you're a good basketball player. So, um I find some of it hilarious. I, I really do. I find this this reliance in in football and basketball on measurables really funny. Oh, that guy that guy clocked in at just under 7 feet. Well, he can't be he can't be effective. It, it's just so stupid. I think, you know, like the, the vertical jump and the, you know, the agility drills and whatnot, it obviously speaks to your athleticism. But at the end of the day... And it matters more in basketball than football, I think. I so. think yes. Because you're actually doing that stuff in a game. Right. I was just going to say that I, I think some of the things they test for at the at the NBA draft combine, it, it makes more sense for basketball than it does what they test for at the NFL draft combine when you run a 40-yard dash. I mean, how many times... Let's face it, is a defensive lineman going to run a 40-yard dash in a straight line, right? I mean, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but, you know, it speaks to your athleticism, so I guess I, I get that part of it. To your point, you say, what does it matter? Playing five-on-five, five, or a lot of these workouts are three-on-three, three, and the the shooting drills, I, th- I think it matters, especially in Tyus's case, right? Because the two things they're looking at are his his outside shooting and his ability to defend. And he will both will be on display, certainly in the scrimmages. And even with the shooting drills, you say, well, nobody's guarding you. Yeah, but they can, you know, he does have that hitch in his shot, or, or at least did during the last two years at Syracuse. So has that smoothed out? Is he consistent? Without a hand in his face, can he knock down the shot? Like, if, right. if you shoot very poorly in these shooting drills while there's no one guarding you, again, I, that might be a red flag. So they want to see... Listen, is he a consistent shooter from the outside, and and can he defend? So I think they can they can glean both of those things, you know, today during the private workouts when they go three on three. A lot of that's defending the pick and roll. You're going to learn a lot about Tyus Battle, and I think he's going to learn a lot about his draft stock over the course of the next four days. The combine continues through the weekend, that's the whole and then point a lot of, this. of these guys they they go and they they work out with individual teams. That's the whole point of this. It figure is. out figure out where you stand. Figure out what your draft stock is and, and where it's at. I, I will I will say this. I you made the comparison to the NFL draft combine. I think you learn a lot more about a basketball prospect in this setting and with these drills and the you know they're they're actually scrimmaging like you don't see eleven on eleven you know at the NFL right. draft combine. They're scrimmaging five on five. A lot of these workouts are three on three. Like you're you're playing the sport that you will be playing. I, Whereas no, in I football, totally agree. it's you know a quarterback's in you know shorts and a t-shirt and he's throwing you know eight yard out routes and you know nobody's you know rushing the passer. It, it that I don't think translates all that well. I know you can look at arm strength and whatnot, but that doesn't translate all that well. Yeah. These guys are actually playing the sport they're going to be playing next year. I totally agree. Uh, I think that far more of what you do at the NBA Combine translates, and even even the the things that really I I would laugh at and make fun of in in the NFL Combine, things like uh, the three cone drill, things like the uh, broad jump or or the high jump, things like that that you would really make fun of coming out of the NFL Combine. There's some practical reason to that in the NBA, right? I mean, you're gonna have to jump. You're gonna have to, you know, see if you can elevate over over defenders or or above offensive players. You're gonna have to see how quickly you could turn on a dime. So that stuff has a little bit more practical use. 
I, I still find some of it funny. Okay, how much does this mean going up against air? How much does this mean? You know, the five and five, the three on three, I, I can see a real use for that. But how much can you really see out of just shooting with balls off the rack? I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's why I'm not an NBA scout. But I, I really don't know how much you can glean from that. And obviously you're not used to playing with these guys. So in the five on five, I mean, there is something to be said for chemistry, obviously. And, and you know, with Tyus, we've seen him now two years at college. So it's not like all that stuff goes out the window. I mean, scouts have been watching him. They know what kind of game he has. I do think when you look at his shooting percentage, you got to take his shooting percentage with a grain of salt because anyone who watched Syracuse this past year knows that they were limited offensively. And when push came to shove and there was, you know, five to eight seconds left on the shot clock, somehow the ball would, would find itself in Tyus's hands, and it's like, all right, Tyus, here, go. Make something happen. And so, by and large, you know, he had to make things happen under duress and oftentimes didn't get the best look at the basket or, you know, as good a look as he would have liked, and he's, he's forcing up shots at the end of the shot clock because he had to, and that was the role he played. And he played it very well this year. I mean, Syracuse doesn't make it to the Sweet 16, obviously, without him. He was the leader all year long. What he was asked to do, the amount of minutes he played, the, the amount of offensive workload that he took on, he should be commended for that, and it, it shouldn't be looked at as a negative. So, again, I don't think those two years go out the window – but I think the, the the red flag, if there is one, or, or maybe the concern, I guess is a better term to use, the concern with Tyus is, is he is he a consistent enough outside shooter You're to make right. an impact at the next level? And again, I think you you can start to see that. Now, you can continue to work on his shot, but, but as of right now, I think you're going to start to see that over the course of, you know, certainly today with the shooting drills, and as they go five on five, and then as he goes to the private workouts, you can you'll have a better idea of that. Yeah, and you know, you brought up something there that that I think is interesting, and, and I was actually talking to somebody this morning and, and last night about this with Tyus Battle and going to the NBA draft, and, and I know we talked about this a lot, uh, what, a month ago when, when he was making this decision and, and had to first make that initial, is he staying or going kind of a decision, but you know, I, I look at Tyus Battle and I say, you know, if, if we can sit here and say, well, maybe his shooting percentage would be better if, you know, he wasn't put in the position to shoot as often as he was... Don't the NBA guys know that? Don't like don't the scouts know that? Yes. Don't the teams and the coaches and, and everybody else know that? So I look at that and say, you know, may, maybe that's a point that you would use, and, and I know you have used in the past as to why he should come back, right? Come back, you'll be on a in, a, in theory, a better offensive team, you'll shoot better. I think we know that he's a better percentage shooter than he was last year, and he showed that his freshman year. I don't know that that's enough incentive to come back. You know, and 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 to just circle that back around to that, like, I don't see the positive to him coming back. And maybe it's because I look at it that way of saying, hey, if I can tell that he had to put up more shots than he wanted, if I can tell that he had to be a bulk volume shooter because there wasn't anybody else on this team, if I can tell that's why his shooting percentage was down, the NBA head coach and GM and president and owner who's going to draft him knows that too. I, I just want to clarify something you said. I, I've never said that I think he should come back. Right. I said that if he came back, it could benefit him in that regard because I think his shooting percentage is just going to go up because he's on a better team, right? And I, and I think that you could see that again throughout the, the draft process that you're playing five-on-five. Five. If you can knock down the outside shot in the flow of the offense, again, that's going to say something to scouts. And and he did. He was he was a, an up-and-down shooter during his time at Syracuse, especially this year You know, as a sophomore when so much 
was was on his shoulders, and he had so much defensive attention, he didn't get a whole lot of open looks. Over the course now of, this, of these next couple of weeks during the draft process, you know, playing five on five and three on three, he's going to get open looks in in the course of uh, of the offense. Can he consistently show that he can knock that down? And so all I was saying, Seth, was if he does come back, I do expect that his shooting percentages will go up. I do expect him to look better. Everybody says next year's draft class is weaker than this one. So all I was saying was, you know, if he feels like he's a borderline pick or even slipping into the second round, he can come back, and I th- I do think he can improve his stock greatly by coming back to a good team at Syracuse, having a really good year, you know, going deep into the tournament, and I think he will look better, you know, in part because he's going to be a junior and he's going to be that much bigger, stronger, and faster, but also, you know, by playing with better guys, I think he's just naturally going to look better. Yeah, and, and see, that's where I disagree. Uh, yeah, he'll look better. Yeah, it, he'll his shooting percentage will be better, but how much does it really impact his stock? Like you know, like I, I said moments ago, I, I think that any team that's really considering and and looking at him knows that he's a better shooter than what he showed last year for the 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 the, the reasons that we gave. Right, he had so much pressure on him. He had to go bulk shooter. He had to you know shoot when he didn't want to. And I think that people would look back and say, hey, his freshman year he put up more respectable and better shooting numbers. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that that is enough incentive. If if I'm looking at reasons to come back. Like I, I don't know that that's enough to say, hey, go he, I, I should come back and I will be a better prospect next year because my numbers, my my numbers might round out. Like I, I think that if you're looking at drafting him this year, you know that already. Again, I'm not saying he should come back for that reason. I'm no, saying no, no, no. If but he if he comes does, back, that will help his draft stock. In that, this is you're right. We do disagree on this. I think he will help his draft stock. Like if he comes back, he's going to have a good year, and that will help his draft stock because you just said. I think the pro scouts already, you know, think that he can make the outside shot on a consistent basis. My point is, is if he comes back, he does it over the course of 35 games. It won't be a, I think he's a better shooter. It's, I know okay, I know he's right. a better shooter. Like, he is a, he's, he's proven that he can do that. And that's my point about these two weeks is that he does need to prove it. Like, we all think it. I mean, we, we've watched every game that he's played, every minute of every game that he's played. So we, we think that he's a better shooter than he was this year from a, a percentage standpoint. I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. Again, you know, we saw how many times they were late in the shot clock and he had to throw up. You know, he just had to make something happen because that was what he was called upon to do. So I'm pretty confident he is. But do we know it for sure? And I guess that's my point is that over the course of these next couple of weeks, he can show them, I'm, I'm proving to you, yes, I am a consistent shooter. If he comes back over the course of 35 games, if he proves it, I don't think there's any doubt that that would help his draft stock going into next year. I mean, he shot four percentage points better from the field and from the three-point arc his freshman year when it was more in the flow of offense, more more open shots. So I think that it, in some regard there is proof that he's a better shooter than he showed last year, right? He's not a guy necessarily that is the the number one option on an NBA team not right now his role was different though and so while you no know, but that's you what I'm saying Tyler, he's gonna hey, go look at Tyler Lydon look at Tyler Lydon yes his role was different and when he became the go to guy it, it we we assumed his numbers were gonna go up but they and, didn't and they didn't they, but Steve here's the thing if you're an NBA team looking to draft Ty's battle right now same with Tyler Lydon by the way. You're not looking at him to be the number one guy. No, but you are. Everybody in the NBA is an elite defender. Or, or I shouldn't say that because well, we saw Steph Curry last right. night. He's not an elite <laughs> defender. Wasn't. Let me let me rephrase that. Everyone in the NBA is elite in their own way. Absolutely. So th- that's my point: is that he gets 
you know, all the attention from the best players, uh, you know, on the opposing team. He will get that in the NBA, even if it's not, you know, the best defender on the Atlanta Hawks. It's a guy who's in the NBA playing yes. for the Atlanta Hawks. So that is my point, is that, you know, he was what, the, the fourth option his freshman year? Then he went to... You know the number one and number two option, essentially and maybe number three his, too. His, yeah, his sophomore year. So I realize it was very different, but that, that's why I say that I don't know if you can point to that freshman year and say, "Well, he's a proven commodity because of that." Well, again, not that Tyler Lydon had a bad sophomore year, but he didn't exactly do what everybody thought he was going to do as a sophomore. So if he comes back, not saying he should come back, but if he comes back, I do think it help it could help his case for twenty nineteen. I, I mean, I guess he could. I I don't see it that way. I, I don't see I don't see the benefit to him coming back. All right, three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Got to take our first time out in the show. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Phone lines open the rest of the way at 315-437-7644 if you'd like to talk Tyus Battle in the NBA Draft Combine. By the way, you you can watch Tyus in action this afternoon on ESPN2, 3 uh, to 7 o'clock. So four hours of Combine coverage on ESPN2. They'll be doing shooting drills. Five-on-five scrimmages are today. There were some team interviews this morning as well as yesterday. The measurements are out. Tyus with a four percent body fat, very impressive. He's uh, he's obviously in shape, uh, and now uh, we'll see how he does uh, on the court. First on the court work uh, for the prospects uh, this afternoon. Uh, Want to get to this, uh, Seth? It's something you brought up uh, before the show, and I, I I do find it interesting. So there's some ACC meetings going on uh, today down in uh, Florida, Amelia Island down in Florida, right near the Florida Georgia line down there. And a couple of uh, proposed changes moving forward. These are just proposed changes, but things the ACC uh, wants to see change with the NCAA moving forward. The ACC would like the NCAA tournament to expand by four teams, suggesting two geographically based first four. So it wouldn't just be in Dayton. There would be uh, two locations around the country. And so in instead of, you know, the... The first four games that they have now, they would they still have, do that. They would have two right. locations of essentially the same thing. So four more teams would would make the NCAA tournament. You'd go up to 72 rather than 68 and go from 72 to 64 rather than 68 to 64. Uh, the ACC would like a, a further three-point line, uh, wider lanes like they do with international basketball, and they would like the shot clock to reset to 20 seconds on an offensive rebound. So instead of a full reset, should yep. the offensive team get the rebound after the ball hits the rim? Reset to 20 seconds. Like those suggestions? Uh, love three of them. Hate one of them. Uh, What's the one you hate? I don't like expanding the NCAA tournament. I really don't. I thought that's I, what you were going to say. You know, I, I know we talked about the bubble a lot this year, and there are just so many mediocre to bad teams, and, and just I don't, I don't need to see four more of them in. And Look, I know why the ACC is doing this. I know why the ACC is doing this, because if there were four more teams, they would have gotten two more bids this year. Right, that that's why they're doing it. They they are doing this because they will get more teams into the ACC tournament, uh, into the NCAA tournament, if they expand the field. They know that, and they will be able to push double digits every year. Eleven, twelve teams that are going to get NCAA tournament bids. It, it's just not worth it. It, it really isn't. Uh, you know, it, it's it's why when we were talking about the bubble, I, I said 
if Syracuse got in, cool, they got in. If Syracuse didn't get in, okay, they didn't get in. And and you can't. I'm not going to get up and yell and scream about this because they're on the bubble and they're all these mediocre to bad teams. And I, there's enough. I I don't I don't need more bad to mediocre teams in the NCAA tournament. I really don't. The reasoning that was given by the ACC schools was that in football, a higher percentage of teams make bowl games, and so they just they, they want to equate that to basketball. I'll say this. I don't hate the idea of expanding the tournament by four teams. What I would like to see changed is... Automatic the, qualifiers having to go to Dayton. The automatic qualifiers are in the field of 64, yes. Right. And the, the teams that are the bubble teams... The, the first four or the first eight or whatever, you know, whatever it ends up being, I would like to see it made completely of bubble teams. And you play your way in. If you're on the bubble, Would they okay. have to change the name from the first four to the early eight or something? Oh, I like that. Did you just think of that on the spot? I did. I like that. You might be onto something. I'm completely well, it fine. it can't be the Elite Eight because they already have yeah, that. And they're not Elite if they're on the <laughs> right, bubble. So. exactly. Um, yeah, the Early Eight. I like that. Uh, I don't mind that at all. I, I'm I'm fine if you want to expand it. And listen, the coaches want it because that's that helps of with their, the their job do. security, right. right? Because if you, you know. More if bonuses, more job security, right. better selling points well, we made for the recruits. Yeah. yeah, we were on the bubble when exactly. we got in. And and we saw, I mean, again, you saw with Syracuse this year. You know, you we've seen other examples where a team – you know, gets into the first four, wins a game, and then they get hot. And you know, again, if you're a if you're a Notre Dame, I mean, Mike Bray would have loved the opportunity this sure year to, to go to the first four. I mean, they were finally whole with you know Bonzi Colson coming back, and could they have made a run? You know, why not? Um, so I'm fine with it. I just I would like to see them move. You know the the automatic qualifiers. Um, you know, automatically they go to the field of 64. I I totally agree with that. I totally agree. Like. You're you're that that school that's the 16 seed making the NCAA tournament for the first time. Yeah, you should be going to the NCAA tournament in the field of 64, and and you should be in right away. What that does to seeding, I don't really know. Right? How does that change seeding? How does that uh, do? You, do you have to manipulate anything? The 10s and 11s got to go to the first four, opposed well, to now well, it's just or, the 11s. Or instead of. Instead of it just being two 11s, it's all four 11s. Are, well, it would, are playing be, would games. be now. I'm saying if you but went they would to the. would really be 10s went, because they would get pushed up. I'm a saying line, if right? you went to the. If the if you added to the field and made it 72, I'm saying, it, yeah, it could be 10s and 11s. Right. So if you, that, you're a bubble team. If you're a 10 or 11, you're a bubble team. Um, and and the, the other thing about it, not to take anything away from what UMBC did, but. You know, we talk about sixteen in a, in a one, and will it ever happen? It obviously has happened. If you if you do that, and if you take the automatic qualifiers, and they are automatically in the field of of sixty four, it will be harder for a sixteen to knock off a one. Yes, it and, will. And not that, you know, is, is there such a thing as a, a a good number sixteen seed? I think UMBC was it, right? And and if you take those teams that otherwise would have been in the first four, and then cycle them in, now it's again you're. It downgrades the team that the right. you know that, that the Virginias of the world would have to play. So, but I, I I like that. I think if if you're an automatic qualifier, you should get the experience of going and playing Kansas or Virginia or Duke or wherever it no, may be. I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree that if if you are an automatic qualifier, you should be placed in the field of sixty four, and you should you should get the experience of going and playing at a, at a big time venue at at you know and 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 not to say that Dayton isn't, but. That there's a different feeling, and I'm sure you saw this this year, right? There's a different feeling being in Dayton and being in Detroit for the NCAA tournament, isn't there? No doubt. 
So I think that that's only fair. If if you're a team that has been good enough all season to get that automatic bid, you should get that uh, that place in in the field of sixty four. So I, I don't mind that recommendation at all. I, just, I don't look. I I I said it as plainly as I could. I, I just don't love the idea of like, hey, we need to add more teams to the tournament. Like I I don't see the point there. And what, I, and I know what that, harm is there? I I mean I guess technically you don't change the, the field of sixty four. I mean you're still going to end up with a field well, of sixty four. Because, because look, at some and it's point, more games that we get to watch. Yeah, but at, but at some point we're going to go from oh well, there's seventy two. Why don't we just add a whole another round? Right, like at some point, not that's necessarily. What's happen. Not necessarily. Like, oh, let's just seed them one through twenty-four in each bracket. Not necessarily. I, what I don't makes know. you think that won't happen? Again, you you look at this year and you say, "Well, the ACC just wants it because Louisville and Notre Dame were left yeah, out." They do, but you can't tell me that Notre Dame couldn't have done what Syracuse did and gone to the Sweet Sixteen. They might. So have, but if 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 they are capable of doing that, but you know what? Why don't not give the, them a chance to don't do lose that? To Fort Wayne. Some of it was out of their control this year. And I know that they lost some games. I mean, Bonzi Colson was was playing when they lost to Ball State. Like, I, I get and that. And Fort Wayne. Okay. I, yeah. get, I get that. I'm just saying. They, they played a chunk of the year without him, though. And he was back, and they were dangerous. If you're capable of winning a few games, why not give them a chance to, to play their way in? I, I don't I don't have they a problem have with it They did have their chance. When Bonzi was healthy at the end of the year, and they didn't play their way he in. He was healthy for, I mean, he came back, what, with a week to go in they the regular season? They win one season? more game, and they're in. I understand that, but to, to say, well, it, it's on them, and again, ultimately, the wins and losses are on them, but for him to come back with a week left in the regular season and say, all right, they got to go on the run in the ACC tournament, you know, yeah. he's been sitting out for a couple of months, got to hit the ground running, and, you know, go knock off a couple of top 25 teams. It, it, you know it's not that simple. So Tough stuff. Got hurt, yeah. It's the way it, the cookie crumbles. But why not? Why not give them a chance? I'm I'm fine with it. In fact, I would like to see it. It would give us more games, and and those first yeah, four but it would games, give us more bad games. See that that's where I disagree though. Like the the Arizona State Syracuse game, like that was a really good game, and it was an intriguing matchup. It was two Power Five schools, and and again, if you take the automatic qualifiers, what are the games of the first four that you could care less about? It's the first the, one each night, exactly. So move them into the field and then give us, you know, eight teams that are all bubble teams and just let them duke it out. And then we we get that Syracuse-Arizona State game four times. I'd sign up for that. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I, I don't, I don't need more mediocre teams going into the tournament. I don't feel bad for teams that miss the tournament and are on the bubble. I, I just, I don't, I have no sympathy for the team that isn't good enough to make the tournament because there are 68 spots. And if you're not one of the best 68 teams or, or realistically one of the best 45 teams, you don't deserve the right to play for the championship. So and Syracuse I, was I just, good enough, but Notre Dame wasn't. Notre I don't Dame know. was the first no, team look, that was I, left out. I don't know why they picked Syracuse over another. Like I, I don't know. They it's it's this arbitrary de- decision to pick Syracuse as the last team, right? Like that's you can you can call in right now and you can be like, ah, well they had wins over this team and this. Team. Like I don't know. Fine. U- ultimately, it was an arbitrary decision to put Syracuse in over whoever that other last team was, and Syracuse got in. So the, I, I guess technically that makes them better than Notre Dame. I, I guess that technically makes them uh, a, a better position team to make the tournament uh, or to win the NCAA championship but I, I just I, I I have a hard time finding sympathy for for team number 70 I your team number 70 <laughs> like it's it's not like you're in college football and you're the fifth best team 
Yeah, but right? your team number 70 out of like 340. Okay, and your team number 5 out of 130, and you're not allowed to play for the national championship. Well, that's a I whole, feel bad that's for that a whole team. Other discussion. I feel bad for that team. I don't feel bad for number 70. That's a whole other discussion for another day because, yes, I think they should expand the college football playoff as well. And I'm not one of those everybody deserves a trophy kind of guys. I just think, like, why not? Like, you're going to end up with a field of 64 anyway. Why not give us a few more good games against bubble teams? Give them the chance to play their way in. I no, think we're going to wind up with a field everybody. of 64 anyway. Let's just merge the NIT <laughs> with the NCAA tournament. At some point, we'll get to 64. That is not what I'm saying, and you know it. 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. ESPN Syracuse wants to remind you, you can go see Yankees and Mets at City Field on Sunday, June 10th on the Bob's True Value bus for just $115. You get tickets to the game. Arrive from Frank's, Frank's Tours to and from City Field and Cam's Pizza on the way to Queens. Just go to ESPNSyracuse.com to buy your tickets. It's your chance to see a Subway Series game, the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball Game of the Week. All for just $115 with transportation to and from the game. Only a limited number of tickets will be sold. So go to ESPNSyracuse.com right now to purchase your tickets. As we continue. Very limited quantity left. Yeah, you said they're. uh, They're selling, yes. Sales are are going uh, very well. Yes. It's good to hear. Very limited quality left. Quantity, not quality. Quantity and quality. Yeah, both. It's going to be a quality trip. Exactly. I know you'll be going. I will. Who else from ESPN Syracuse? Uh, me and Pauly. Pauly. Okay. So you can spend the day with uh, exactly. Seth and Pauly taking uh, some baseball. You're going to be getting back very, uh, I was going to say late, but it's no, more it's like early. early in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it'll be fun. Uh, as we get back to the college basketball talk. sleep all day. Yeah. Maybe. Sleep on the bus. It's like a, what, a five-hour bus ride? Something like that. Am I you, allowed I, I as the station representative? Because you're chaperoning? Yeah, I, I still I think that's amusing that you're chaperoning. It is. it is. You mean because most people are probably going to be older than me yes, on this Yes, that's trip? exactly why. <laughs> you're going to be chaperoning someone twice your age, but okay. Exactly. Uh, let's get back to the college basketball talk and the, the proposed changes by the ACC. They want to expand the NCAA tournament by four teams at another first four venue. I like your idea, the the early eight. Um, you don't love the idea. I say, why not? Give me more bubble teams. Give me more basketball uh, that week in March. I think it would be a whole lot of fun. Uh, the three other things that we didn't talk about in the last segment, uh, they want to uh, move the three-point line back. They want wider lanes like they do in international basketball. And they want the shot clock to reset to 20 seconds on an offensive rebound instead of a full reset. I like two of these. I like the 20-second the shot clock reset. I do like the wider lanes. I think both of those speak to increased scoring. You know, the wider lanes opens things up. It doesn't clog the middle, theoretically. And again, allows guys to get to the basket. It allows for more scoring. Same thing with the 20-second shot clock. It it speeds up the tempo of the game. Love, love the shorter reset. Yeah. I, I, I would like that in the NBA, too. A 14-second reset after an offensive rebound. That would be great. Both of those uh, fall in line with trying to you know increase point production in the college game. The moving back the three-point line, I think, kind of goes against that. Everybody's in love with the three-point line as it is. 
Now you're going to have guys taking it from a couple steps back, and theoretically that will lead to lower shooting percentages from the outside, which could lead to you know uglier games in that regard. So I'm not sure I love the the moving the three point line back. Maybe they think that if you move it back, that the six eleven stretch four, you know, he's he's not going to be taking that shot. I don't know. Um, I don't love the moving the line back. I, I, I'm on board with the other two. Um, I want to see increased scoring, you know, faster games, more exciting games. I'm not sure that accomplishes that, though, the, the three-point line. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but just to, to play devil's advocate, um, I don't know that you can widen the lane without moving the three-point arc back. Right? Like, don't Don't those two seem somewhat intertwined where you would have to move back the three-point arc to give the needed space for spacing for the for the for the wider arc uh for the wider lane I should say also you wouldn't be moving the arc back to the NBA line right you would be moving it somewhere between what you got now and what probably the, the NBA international line, is. line probably the international line at what 21 22 so I don't think that's a big deal. I, I mean, I, I know you say a couple steps back. It's it's kind of like a half step. Um, I don't think that's a huge deal, and I, I really do think ultimately that is only done so that you can widen the lane. Because I, I think that if you widen the lane now, depending on, on obviously how wide you want to make it. Well, you it, don't need to stand on the three-point line. No, I but mean, I, for, I, I don't mean, teams think can it, space the floor however they I want to space the floor. But I don't know that it gives enough space inside the arc if you leave the arc as is with a wider lane. My point is is that if you go with the wider lane, teams can space it however they can. So instead of standing like right at the three-point line, if they need to back up a couple of steps to increase their spacing and then step into the three-point shot, obviously they're they're welcome to do that. I hear what you're saying. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just I, I don't know as if you have to change both or neither. You could theoretically change the lane and then again it'll be up to the up to the teams to space the floor however they want. I, I just that that would be my one concern. When I hear move the three point line back, I think, especially at the college level, lower shooting percentages, uglier games, and that's not something college basketball wants right now. Can we just shorten the shot clock? Like can, can we just make the shot clock shorter? Make teams move faster, stop burning offense, score some points, put more shots up. Like can we can we just move the game along faster? That's part of the reason why I like the uh the the shot clock reset on, on offensive rebounds. I think that the college game moves too slowly. I really do. And and I know that this is always kind of somewhat of a, not really an argument, but somewhat of a discussion is like, oh, what do you like watching more, college or professional? And it's like, you watched the game last night compared to the, even the national championship, which I, I think that we would agree was like a pretty decent college basketball game, right? Like, a, I think the best game this year in the NCAA tournament was Kansas-Duke. That was a great college basketball game. Like, last night was better. Right, what what the Warriors and Rockets are doing, or what anybody in the NBA playoffs has done, has has been better than anything you're seeing. And and I know there's yeah. an obvious there's an obvious reason for that, and it's because better there are players. 15 15 professional basketball players on the court uh, on the teams rather than not 15 bas- professional basketball players even on Duke. But like, I think that some of that also has to uh, like I I would love to just see college teams go faster, like play. Play at a faster pace. Like, stop burning clocks so much. It's just boring. And and uh, not only 15 NBA players on both teams. You've got, what, a handful of top 20 players in the NBA in that series? Harden and oh, Paul yeah, yeah. and 
No, but I, I mean, I was Durant talking about even, even earlier. And Clay Thompson. But yes. Yes, that was an entertaining game. It's going to be an entertaining series. Those are the two best teams in the NBA, yes. and, it, and it is fun to watch. I don't know if it's fair to compare that no, 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 with, with what sti- we're seeing. I the just mean stylistically, stylistically, though. I mean, they they move up and down the court. the The ball movement, the shit, like it's it just it seems like it moves faster and flows better. Which I guess part of that is duh, but that that's also partially like you can control that right like Villanova Villanova plays a I think a much better style of basketball than most of college basketball they seem to move a little bit and pass around the edges and like there's something more to it I do think if you shorten the shot clock I don't think I know uh that would make SU's 2-3 zone that much more effective it would if you shorten the shot clock to say 24 seconds I mean it's hard for teams to get good looks you know as it is now you you shorten the shot clock even more that's going to make the two three, you know, that much more effective. And again, I don't know if if the NCAA necessarily wants to see more teams go zone. I don't think they because do because that, you know, that would that would motivate you to play a little more zone, right? If the shot clock was was shorter. No, well, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It motivates Syracuse to play zone because they play it so well. If you could play man to man really well for twenty four seconds, guess what you're going to do? You're going to play man to man. Like they're but, they're a team like Virginia is not all of a sudden going to go play zone because the shot clock is shorter. They're going to keep about, doing what they did. I think it would encourage teams to play zone. I, I think you, I I disagree with you on that because stylistically, again, is it easier to keep a team from getting a good look in zone or in man to man? Even if you're a great man to man defensive team, you can beat a guy off the dribble or you know go one on one. Zone, it's it in my mind, it's much more difficult to get a good look in a short period of time against the zone. Why did Coach K start doing it with USA basketball out of you know out of bounds plays when when you know there was ten seconds on the shot clock or whatever? Like he bought into what Jim Beheim was saying because it works when there's not a lot of time and you go zone, very difficult to get a good look. See, I thought you were gonna go, why did he go to it at Duke? And I was gonna say because his players couldn't play defense, and then you threw the wrench in and said with USA basketball. Well, that's where he that's where he quote unquote discovered <laughs> no, it. No, I know. And he had the best, you know, he had the best players on the planet and he went zone because it is difficult to get a good look in a short period of time against the zone so if you shorten the shot clock it might encourage more teams to go zone and, and again i'm not sure that the ncaa necessarily wants to do that we do need to take another time out phone lines remain open 315-437-7644 back after this on espn radio